0: Mew and Shun do have wild amounts of free time in which they can just run around fighting Zodiacs.
1: Hello and welcome to Righteous Kicks, the podcast where two science fiction writers geek out about men in spandex bodysuits who kick evildoers to death in abandoned quarries until they explode.
0: Also in the high school, behind the Walmart because we're in high school and that's where you go to fight, in the shopping mall, around the shopping mall, in other people's schools. We're fighting in a lot of locations right now. I'm Iori.
1: And I'm Brandon.
0: And I'm having so many feelings.
1: Oh my god, I am having so many feelings as well. We just finished watching episode 17-32 to 32 of Kamen Rider Forze. And a lot of things are happening in this school, folks. It's it's a lot. When we left off, we had just met a, another masked rider who who, has, who at that point had yet to be identified.
0: But he was sure making a lot of funky kung fu noise.
1: Oh my god, everybody was kung fu fighting. The subs that I watched literally had, like, text for his ki and I thought it was the most hilarious thing in the world. I mean, we know who he is now, so I guess we should talk a little bit about him. About Kamen Rider Meteor. Uh, slowly get into the things that we learn about him.
0: I mean, we know who he is almost instantly, because he keeps monologuing to the camera about how he's deceiving us all. That kid does give good villain face. I gotta give him props for
1: that. He's very good at being stoic and serious, and everything is grim. I mean, everything is grim for him. But yes.
0: And then the Shakespearean villain monologue to the audience. <laughs> I love it. It's so good.
1: So when we when we left off in episode sixteen, Meteor had just shown up and defeated that entire zodiac and just left. Nobody got to pay much mind to him after that. It's like, who is this masked man in this show full of masked men? And then, a young man named Ryusei Sakuta comes to Amanogawa High School on a, uh, I guess it's essentially a kind of transfer program with another school, but really... He's been Meteor the entire time, Hugh Hugh Hugh. I like he has no problem just constantly telling the audience, Hey, I'm Meteor. None of these other people know that I'm Meteor, but I want you to know that I'm Meteor. And the way that I'm going to make sure that you know is that whenever a monster appears, I am not frightened until someone reminds me that I should be frightened.
0: And then I promptly
1: skedaddle. Oh my god, it's hilarious. Like that moment in episode 17 when when the Link's Zodiac shows up. And Yuki turns him and goes, you should run away. And his inner monologue goes, oh yes, right. While his face is just perfectly serious. And then he starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> like, be a good actor. You cannot be undercover if you cannot act.
0: Kamen Rider Meteor is also given his orders by a shadowy figure in a space suit called Tachibana. And I have five bucks on Tachibana for being the guy who murdered Kengo's dad.
1: That's that's a big bet. That's mm, Oh my god. Oh my god. We're going to have so many conversations about Tachibana at some point.
0: Look, Kengo has said that someone murdered his dad. And now mm-hmm. that Tachibana is getting all up in the group and giving Kengo directions on how to save Gen's life, it just really makes sense that once Kengo comes to trust this authority figure, obviously he is going to be betrayed and all their interactions will now be recast in a new light. I mean, that's the story of interacting with adults, right?
1: I mean, especially in this show.
0: It's the story of high school. You look back on your high school years with the benefit of hindsight, and you go, wow, that grown-up wasn't really just taking out some fucked-up shit on me.
1: Yeah. So we should qualify very quickly. What is up with Kamen Rider Meteor? Because the stakes are kinda high for Ryusei.
0: Right. His friend became a Zodiac and is in a coma now.
1: That needs to be properly qualified. His friend tried to become a Zodiac and the Switch said nope. And electrocuted him. And then he became comatose. But the switch is pressed, which means that they can't unpress it. Because he hasn't willingly decided to stop being a not Zodiac yet. So he's going to be in a coma perpetually until somebody can wake him up.
0: And this is Ryusei's job because Ryusei has a huge guilt issue around this whole thing.
1: Because Ryusei's whole thing is, my friend wanted to be powerful, but I couldn't be there for him. This is my fault. I need to make sure that I save my friend. So he goes out of his way to find a Zodiac that can wake his friend up from a coma. And that's his whole thing. He doesn't care about doing the right thing. He doesn't care about stopping the Zodiac's master plan. He cares about finding a Zodiac that can wake up his friend, Jiro. So he could go back to being a youth in school. Not caring about any of these problems whatsoever. And in his aid in this task is a man in a satellite in space named Tachibana whose job essentially is to give Ryusei instructions and then press a button whenever Ryusei does his henshin just so he could like transmit his actual transformation to him from space that that seems that seems like an uncomfortable way to live sleeping in space waiting for a teenager to press a button
0: well, that's actually really interesting, though. Is it Meteor can't transform without permission, whereas Gen gets to do it whenever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm.
1: And that affects Ryusei very heavily in later, right? In later episodes,
0: later on, when Ryusei fucks up and gets permission revoked and can't transform when he needs to anymore, that's not only a huge problem for him logistically. It really does shake his sense of identity because he's so invested in beating, being Meteor as part of his quest.
1: Mm-hmm. And invested specifically in the idea that he's a lone wolf in this quest and therefore nobody can know who he is. So right. he can't be in a position where his identity or his work is compromised, but he's constantly compromising it all on his own. <laughs>
0: And it highlights how he's utterly dependent on Tachibana, because Tachibana can control whether or not his identity is revealed just by dehensioning him from a distance.
1: You did the wrong thing, child. You will never become a hero again.
0: Do you ever think it was, like, really hecka stressful for Yusei to be essentially experiencing space panopticon?
1: To be a helicopter parented from beyond the stratosphere, yes. Your elf on a shelf in space! But he's also, like, saving a dead child, which is a lot of stakes. And he comes to this entirely new school where he does not know any of how the- these exact same things are affecting those children. And he does not care for several episodes. Because all he cares about is getting this thing. I mean, it's troubling in general. But the fact that Gen's response to this is, I sense that there's something I don't know about you. So I'm going to continue being friendly until I learn it. It's like, Gen, Gentaru, why are you so earnest and naive all the time? I love you so much.
0: He's 16 and he's a precious cinnamon roll.
1: This is true. So we should probably consider like, exactly how his precious cinnamon roll things have, lead- have led to the very... First clashes in these episodes, because the very first thing that he does is have a falling out with Ryusei precisely because he does not know him. Because mm-hmm. Ryusei decides in episode 17 and 18, as they're looking for the Lynx Zodiacs, who just so happens to be a kid that does not want to be number two in exams and wants to kill his competition, I guess that's a thing that you do when you want to excel.
0: Hashtag relatable.
1: Forza is just about reminding people that high school is terrible and you should never relive it. But yes, Ryuse decides at this moment that he wants to join the Kamen Rider Club, which is just essentially an undercover mission for him at this point. And Gentaro is the person that says, nope, you can't join.
0: Because I haven't seen you smile.
1: What? This is a weird stipulation from the person who wants to be everybody's friend, and he's like, no, I haven't seen your true face yet. Everyone else in this club has shown me who they really are, but you, you're hiding something, and I'm not gonna let you in until I discover what it is. Turns out, Gantaro just wanted to be punched in the face.
0: And then he's like, okay, cool, I got you to lose your temper. Now I know the real you. We're good.
1: This is you. I have no idea why you hit me, but you hit me and it was real. Uh, the entire thing being that Ryusei is only here because he's looking for one Zodiac in particular. The Ares zodiacs, which he already knows has the ability to put people to sleep and wake people up from sleep. And has extrapolated from that that you can wake up from a coma with it. So he's just waiting for somebody to evolve into the Ares zodiacs. So when Lynx doesn't, he takes his frustration out on Guntaro, and Guntaro is like, I don't know why you hit me, but that was real. Welcome to the club! It's like, what? What? I'm mad at you! Why are you pleased? It's like, Gantaro's mind is very interesting and I love it. So
0: the thing I love about the search for the Ares zodiac is how it actually drags us back to Vyusei's previous school. Because it's bringing his arc full circle. He has to go back to where this started in order to end it. And from an outside narrative perspective, it's so fucking obvious, but for you say, it's like, what? Shocked Pikachu face.
1: And especially the fact that it happens in the, at the speed that it does, and in the order that it does, because he learns all of these things by going to another school and watching other people be genuine friends to each other, and then comes back to school and all of it. Everybody in the Kamen Rider Club is noticing things about his relationship with other people that he has not noticed before.
0: I mainly remember Yuki screaming, hey, Ryusei's girlfriend, go over there.
1: (laughs) That also happened. Yes, that also happened a lot. But like the fact that everybody noticed it and she's like, yeah, I want that too, but it hasn't happened yet. It's like, Ryusei, look at the girl.
0: I mean, I don't buy it, actually, because Ryusei's... Way, way, way too obsessed with Jiro to actually have a healthy, balanced relationship with anyone else.
1: Which I, as a writer of fiction who cares a lot about characters, I have a lot of feelings about Ryusei's relationship with Jiro. Like, that's undeniably queer. I'm calling it now.
0: Yes. Also, once we get him out of the coma, he is shockingly talky. For someone who's been unconscious that long.
1: A man who's still presently in physical pain talks a lot. Giro likes talking. Which I also read into as intensely queer, but that's me. Like, you see the boy that you have given all of your energy and affection to at your bed. Do you want to waste all of that time? No, we're going to talk about everything right now. Before I go to sleep again. (laughs) I feel it in my bones.
0: And, you know, I would say that Jiro really is the focus of all of Ryusei's emotional investment, given the fact that he did, uh, kill Gentaro.
1: Which we have to work our way up to, because that's going to take a lot of talking. But before we get to all of the things that happened to Meteo, we should probably take a moment to talk about prom? Prom episode! So, the kids need to graduate, right? And, I mean, yeah, it's necessary. When you ask the only two members of the Kamen Rider Club how they feel about graduating, they seem to be very upset because they don't want to leave Amanagawa High School because they get to save people's lives instead of commit to their education, but whatever.
0: Well, I mean, there's also all those feelings about, like, growing up, having responsibilities, leaving the safe cocoon that they are used to and have been trapped in for the last three years, and going somewhere else. Also, Miu's doing Ao Nyushi, so she's kind of got a lot on her mind.
1: And one of those things that is on Miu's mind is, I want to go to prom, but not with Shun. Dun dun dun.
0: Can we talk about how that was just the worst prom promposal ever?
1: Shun does the most, all the time. I have weird feelings about it because I, like, Those kinds of expressions of affection in the real world I hate. Shun is like a lost puppy without me when I kind of felt for him. I wanted somebody to talk him out of it.
0: I'm sorry for laughing about Shun running away in tears in a clown costume, but I'm also really, really not.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Oh my god, when I'm with you, you make me feel like a perro. It's like, oh my god, why are you doing the thing? Full makeup and everything. Shun, stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. And the fact that he spent all of that energy that this happens at the ending of that episode. And then Miyu, very upset, looks him dead in the eye and goes... But the one that I wanted to go to prom with was Gentaro, and Gentaro is in a fight. Feet away from them.
0: Everyone wanted to go to prom with Gentaro.
1: Yes, we learned that Gentaro is an accidental ladies' man.
0: I'm really sad Ritsuko didn't get to ask him.
1: To be fair, I wanted it to happen for the reason that Ritsuko said that she wanted it to happen, which is, she wanted to get, um, she wanted to be classed as the bad pair for prom. It's like, Mm -hmm. that sounds hilarious. The Yankee and the Goth.
0: Aesthetically, they would be very cute.
1: It would be rad.
0: Also, Mew's face, when she was taking Shun out to dance, was very much the face of someone making the best of a disappointing reality, and that's really just prom in a nutshell.
1: Oh my god. Both, uh, both Shun and Mew have, in hindsight, terrible reactions to the prom thing that they want most excitedly to happen. Mew wants to dance at Gantaro. Shun makes it happen and then walks away stoically.
0: Oh, he was just doing that for drama. He was hoping someone would go after him and yeah. like take him to McDonald's and let him talk about his feelings. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: I do also really adore how incredibly thrilled Mew was the second Azodiart attacks Prom. Like, dress rip, running in heels. Thank God I'm out of here. I can go do something that matters now.
1: Fucked up a perfect dress, though. But okay, this is this is your uh, moment of intensity. We'll take it.
0: Yeah, she was having her action girl moment. Mm-hmm. I would never want to deprive her of that.
1: Also, we should, like, talk about how prom almost didn't happen. Because the zodiac of that arc was the head of the journalism club who just really badly doesn't ever want to graduate because then she'll have to leave school and grow up. This is where she's put all of her love and all of her energy, and no one can take this away from her. But she will settle at least for ensuring that the people who made the last few weeks of school life hell don't get to enjoy themselves. It's like, what the hell is this? This is both very intense and a feeling I have had about school, about high school. I don't want to leave. But also, these people are terrible and should not get to enjoy themselves, even though that's not the case about the people in question, because they have since gained clarity, but oh my god.
0: But also, you don't have to leave, because look at Mew and Shu at the the end of the episode, right back (laughs) in the rabbit hutch. Mm -hmm. Reset to status quo.
1: Well, a a reinforced status quo, because instead of president, Mew is now care person
0: (laughs) the wild thing is like in most cases i'm like if you in college are coming back to your high school to hang out with the younger kids this is actually a sign that you're having trouble connecting with people in your own age group and stunted maturity blah 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 Mm -hmm. but here they've got a good reason since they're saving people and also with the way a japanese college life is laid out they've got the time for it Because oh my gosh, once you actually get into undergrad here, you have so much time on your hands.
1: Because they seem like they have a lot of time. Like, oh yeah, they're just immediately available whenever a Zodiac attack takes place every other episode since they've graduated.
0: Mew and Shun do have wild amounts of free time in which they can just run around fighting Zodiacs. Also, can we talk about how all the villains are leaning really, really hard into their club activities as their villain theme?
1: Oh yes, please, because I have a lot of feelings about, like, three of those villains in particular. But we should probably, like, we should probably start with one of the more obvious ones which is Nomoto, otherwise known as the Dragon Zodiacs, otherwise known as the head of the track and field club.
0: Why are all the mixed race people in this show jocks? All two of them, but...
1: I have to assume that it's a coincidence. In, in part because at least one of those two actors, Justin Tomimori, is actually very good at feelings, and I like him a lot.
0: He's good at using his face...
1: Using every point of his face.
0: He's got a really good rubbery slapstick face. I mean that in the best way possible. He's just got such an incredibly mobile face. Mm-hmm. He's doing a lot
1: there. He does a lot. And it gives him the capacity to be like pure comedy in some ways that I really enjoy.
0: Oh yeah, he's got just impeccable timing.
1: This other performer though, uh, Ryu Ando, who plays Nomoto, is really stone-faced throughout. The thing that stood out the most to me is because is that Nomoto as a character is very obvious in the fa- in the sense that his one motivation is I need to make sure that the rest of my team is performing at their most optimum for the next track meet. That means no fraternization. So if I see a boy talking to a girl on my team, I'll kill him. It's like Very intense, but I guess I get it. I guess I get it. Sports people tend to be very protective of each other for some reason that I do not fathom. But I can see that kind of protectiveness. It's called
0: trauma bonding. I'm being 100% serious.
1: (laughs) I believe it.
0: It's called trauma bonding.
1: But Nomoto takes it to quite an extreme. It's like, just Mm -hmm. don't don't talk to boys. It will make you run slower. It's like, ah. that's not how that. That's not how feet work. But we should also talk about, like, the far more intense and complex club activity villains, which are all of the performing artists and how they're all oh my god. pure evil, with no middle ground whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I love how the ballet club just started a cult.
1: Oh my god, there's this new hero around. We call him Kiknos, because he looks like a swan. We're just going to gather in this abandoned warehouse and literally sing his praises and also talk about our own good deeds and bad deeds. But if you've been bad, you will be punished. like, you're all teenagers. Stop this. Go home. Run a blog or something. This is...
0: I feel like starting a cult is actually pretty normal teenage activity.
1: I don't know what teenagers you've been around.
0: Okay, the sound you've just made has definitely indicated that my high school experience was an outlier. Thanks.
1: Do we need to have a conversation?
0: I didn't start it. I was just adjacent to it.
1: Adjacent.
0: Yeah, you can just be cult adjacent, you know.
1: That sounds like cult abetting.
0: That's a fair allegation,
1: actually. I want to ask so much more about that. But... One of the things that particularly stood out to me about the Cygnus Zodiac arc is that even though we do eventually discover that Cygnus, who we've encountered as a hero, but is A, a Zodiac, and B, is actually quite evil and malicious and cruel, is actually not the first bad person we meet in that arc. Instead, we meet the head of, like, the Kickness fan cult that is meeting in this abandoned warehouse Who's just like Unnecessarily manipulative And bitter to everyone else In that club
0: Misa, formerly of the ballet club Now head of the cult
1: Who is so like dedicated to the idea that If you are not doing good It means that you are Not bad, but useless mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot That's a lot of pressure For one child to be putting on another child but since we
0: see Cygnus doing acts of heroism, I felt like, oh, yeah, we're almost halfway through the series. I guess it is about time for the hashtag not all monsters discourse, which at this point is an obligatory part of the Common Rider experience.
1: Mm-hmm. And th- this arc in particular is a very interesting subversion of that, because every Zodiac that we've met, Other than like the horoscopes who have not been identified by the club yet have all been students. And they've all had malicious intentions. And then we meet a Zodiac with a genuinely wholesome intention and we want to go not all monsters, but we still have to deal with the fact that some teenagers are shit. Yep. (laughs) It's just not sickness. It's this other it's this other kid elsewhere. Just being cruel, for being cruel's sake. That's a lot, that's... I was intrigued by the potential when I saw this the first time, because again, I've been rewatching watching for quite some time now. But when I saw this the first time, I was really intrigued by the idea that maybe the thing that we're supposed to learn is not only hashtag not all monsters, but that sometimes the power that a teenager needs in order to be cruel to another teenager in high school does not need to be one of force or like popularity it could just be accessing the power that somebody else has through their force or their popularity and leveraging that as your own power over the community around you Mm-hmm. was a big deal to me that a lot of these a lot of the members of this cult are there because they care about Cygnus and not because of Mesa But she leverages that power anyway because it's the power that she has. Like, I don't even think that we resolve her being nasty to those other kids. I don't think we ever deal with it again. It just stops.
0: Gentaro is friends with the entire cult now. The cult is more or less disbanded because Cygnus is disappearing. And hopefully we will all go on to do good things and be nice to other people.
1: I mean, it also means a lot that part of how the rest of said cult learns to just be good for being good sake is because of iguchi but iguchi is going through his own stuff in that episode iguchi being a member of the club who just looks up to cygnus and wants to become good kind teenager who actually helps people only to realize he was cygnus the whole time
0: But not in a good way. And also definitely not in the way that multiple personality disorder works.
1: Nope. Multiple personality disorder never works the way that it works in television. But I guess it needs to happen some way.
0: I guess.
1: When I saw how it's resolved, I don't know why they decided to make that decision in first place because essentially he resolves that issue with his own willpower. He could have just had the lesson of being a good person and that would be it. Like, they didn't need to be all of that excess, alienating people who suffer from mental illness. Yeah.
0: We're not good at dealing with mental illness over here. Specifically, we frequently don't believe in it. Nice. Not remotely. <laughs> oh boy.
1: I guess that's why all of these teenagers are suffering in the way that they do in the school.
0: The majority of Japanese high schools do not have counselors or psychologists.
1: Amagawa Managawa Gaku and Koko does not. Yep. They had one guidance counselor who didn't want to be a guidance counselor. God bless. And she ended up being their kickboxing coach. That was rad. Also, now Nagasawa is rad. And having her be a guidance counselor who responds to other people's questions by attempting to kick them in the face was hilarious.
0: She's just goals, honestly. is probably one of my favorite characters.
1: Utsugi-sensei was brilliant. Utsugi-sensei is responsible for my favorite reaction in any scene of a live-action drama or comedy ever. Which is, uh, she opens the door to her classroom and sees Kamen Rider Fozze kneeling on the ground. Kamen, Kamen Rider Fozze turns up and waves. And she very nonchalantly, stone-faced, closes the door again.
0: As you do. The Rakugo Club guy. Oh my god. Like, talking about arts villains. He is committed to the bit.
1: When we first meet him, he's just doing Rakugo. That's it. That's his whole shtick.
0: He's just doing Rakugo in every single interaction that he has with anyone.
1: Rakugo is his entire identity, um, which is interesting. An interesting word to use considering that the question of that episode is who is the Pegasus Zodiac that's just walking up to other martial artists and beating them up? Maybe it's the woman who knows martial arts and does not feel satisfied by the job that she's been given.
0: Nah, it's this weedy little shit with a fan.
1: Yeah. Everybody turns to Itsugi and casts all of these accusations, and then we learn, in part because Ryusei is just very intuitive, but also in part because Tomoko is in touch with the universe and is a badass.
0: Tomoko is the MVP of this team.
1: Without Tomoko, every episode from this one onward would have no solution whatsoever. Uh, But they just realize that this kid has been impersonating several people the whole time. Just learning people's mannerisms and taking taking over their identity just for fun. One of the
0: major things in Rakugo is the ability to do impersonations with minimal change. Like, you're supposed to be sitting there on your cushion, in your robe, holding your fan, and you have to be multiple people in a story, and you have to do it only by changing how you've oriented your head. You have to do it entirely by altering voice and mannerism while not really using the rest of your body. So it means you have to be killer observant.
1: And, like... When you see him actually perform, like he's very good at taking other people's mannerisms very often. But he's also just so much fun to hate as a villain. Because he eventually evolves into the Cancer Zodiacs and that means you have to deal with him for several other episodes. It's just him delivering puns to people and being a literal hard shell to crack. But he does, he also doesn't take any orders from his superiors. And that means that Libra, like, constantly gets into fights with him that are just good two-person comedy acts on their own being witnessed by other people and it's hilarious.
0: It is pretty excellent. Going back to the cancer challenge though, I really love the parallel here to the Jake challenge back in the Breakfast Club arcs. We have a time limit for someone to come rescue their friend. Race against the clock. Will anyone show up for you?
1: And in particular, the way that it's, like, enacted, Gentaro shows up by himself and says, whatever it is you want to do with Ryusei, you can do it with me instead. Ryusei needs to go and see Jiro, because Jiro is having a hard time in the hospital. And then the rest of the Kamen Rider Club shows up and goes, we don't know what's going on either, but we're with Gentaro?
0: I loved Mew so much for that. If Gantara's soul isn't enough, you can have all of ours. Let's do this.
1: In hindsight, now that we're making the comparison to Jake, I like Jake's response the most, which is, I would have preferred running away, but everybody else is here so I can't leave them behind. It's like, what? Yes. Jake, you've grown so much.
0: He really has. I love how Mew will pick a fight with every villain, no matter how outsized she is. Or outclassed or outpowered and I love how Jake has just given in and he's like well shit I guess I have been shamed into being a hero so let's do it
1: immediately following this Ryusei has decided now he's going to see Jiro and then Tachibana calls and gives him an ultimatum
0: so now we're on double oh, ticking clocks because he's got to get back to the school to save it, the Common Rider Club by mm-hmm. four but he's also got to get to the lighthouse for his gear upgrade by four.
1: And Tachibana has told him if you if you are late, you are not getting it. It's like, well, I'm gonna save my friends. I can't leave my friends to die now. I'll just deal with the upgrade later. Uh, and he gets there in with literal seconds to spare. And when he gets there, everybody's already unconscious because. In the meantime, Cancer has decided he's going to play a game with their souls. If you cannot make me laugh, I'm going to put you to sleep. And when Ryusei gets there, he gives him the same ultimatum. I will put their souls back in their bodies if you can make me laugh. And Ryusei decides, nah, to hell with that. Let's fight. Even though I ca even though I cannot transform, even though you are literally made of claws, le- I'm just going to get in a fight with you in this classroom. Kijima holds him by his chin and and says don't make me laugh and starts laughing and then his body just decides well you made a rule I guess your body needs to just adhere to the rule regardless of how you feel about it and just gives everybody their souls back (laughs) it's like you didn't even have any control over this decision that you made you just made the decision and your body enacted it okay I didn't know that's how this worked it's a very weird way to be a villain so I guess we should talk about Haru who I have a lot of feelings about.
0: Because he's small and terrible.
1: Because he's small and awkward and lost and confused, and then we learn that he is very prone to becoming terrible.
0: That's the story of most of us in high school. But he takes it to a new level.
1: His whole thing is, I'm a first year in this new school. I know nothing. My best friend, Ran, who is a girl, protects me from all of the things. I don't want to be protected by a girl. So I'm going to become powerful.
0: And I'm going to do that through the magic of steroids. Wait, sorry. Zodiac switches. Steroids.
1: Which apparently work the exact same way because this is our second drugs allegory. This is our second drugs allegory, folks. He uses the switch and his eyes, the bags under his eyes start getting darker. And he gets more aggressive and doesn't like talking to people.
0: He also gets a lot paler and grayer like looks very messy by the end of this
1: why everything about this arc is like why
0: but like part of his weird gender stuff all this baggage about like not being able to be protected by a girl and needing to be strong and stuff that actually mirrors shun and a whole bunch of the stuff shun says in the power dies are about how like well, if the girls are exposing themselves to danger, then I can't sit it out. I have to be a man and mm-hmm. do this. Or that stupid thing with the power dizer way back when, when he was like, this is too much machine for a cheerleader to handle. Let a man do it. And it's just like, she's a cheerleader. She is solid muscle and willpower. I'm pretty sure she actually could run the machine with a little more training.
1: I want to give Shun the benefit of the doubt, in part because he's such a lovable dork. But also, I feel like at this point in the series, he has also genuinely learned that all of the girls on the team are very capable and are willing to just do the thing, often when he's not present anyway.
0: Yeah, but he's still saying stuff like that, like, when he busts in with the Power Dizer during the fight with Ares, even... He's just like, can't leave this one to the ladies. I'm just like, are we still saying this 30 episodes in? <laughs> really?
1: Yeah, this is fair. But Haru is a lot. Uh, Haru doesn't threaten other girls. Uh, uh, Hune doesn't threaten other girls. Haru does. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Haru is very, very toxic masculinity. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah. The fact that it's in comparison to what we learn about Ran as a result, which is that she does not trust older students because once upon a time, her senpai uh, asked her to join the swimming club and she was like, well, can Haru join too? And they bullied Haru the whole time and she was like, nope, I'm not having that again. Mm-hmm. And that's why she just wouldn't talk to Gentaro, so Gentaro could help her. And it's very interesting that this is the mid, this, ep- these episodes happen at the, s- at the exact midpoint of the series itself. Because a moment that happens in episode one is mirrored here. Right. Which is Genter jumping off the balcony of the bridge.
0: I love Gen jumping down into the canal.
1: But this time his legs don't hurt. And he's going to help Ran find the thing. What thing? I don't know what thing, but you're looking for mm-hmm. a thing, so I'm helping you look for it.
0: And then the rest of the club goes down there with him. I really love how willing they are to get into the muck to look for things. Like, there are so many points in this show where we are looking for a switch in a muddy field or in a lake or some random object dropped into a body of water and we're just going for it. We don't mind that we're going to get dirty. We have to do the thing.
1: And in particular that there are some characters who are, like, very hesitant to be able to do that kind of work. Like, Jake. Jake is still unwilling to go in a lake in winter. Mm-hmm. But Mew and Tomoko are like, let's do the thing. Because we have a hunch. You
0: know Mew has spent so much time to get her hair to look like that, right?
1: Yeah, like, I, I appreciate both Mew and Tomoko in particular, mm-hmm. because like Yuki-, Yuki would always do those things.
0: Yeah, but Tomoko and Mew still have like specific time-consuming beauty aesthetics, but they are totally fine with scuppering all that work so that they can get the job done and they'll just redo their hair makeup later. I love that.
1: Yeah. and they always engage in, ex- in specific ways, which is Mew is willing to do hard work. With her own hands, even when other people don't expect her to. And Tomoko is willing to leave the group entirely on a hunch that maybe the spirits will tell her something that nobody else knows. And the hunch is always correct. And the fact that they will go out of their way for that is brilliant to me.
0: They're so great.
1: Not only does everybody have their own part to play in this group, but so many of those parts is we are willing to go out of our way to ensure that all of the things that Gentero would have done on his own, we will use our own special skills to do. Like uh, when they needed to get a Gucci to actually do a good deed. Uh, Jake and Kengo pretend to be Yakuza. (laughs) Because of course they do. I have have to believe Jake was the person who decided, yes, we're going to do the thing. Mm -hmm. Kengo is going to join me in the
0: thing. Another thing here is, I appreciate how no one ever devalues... Miu and Tomoko, for their commitment to their aesthetics, like they're going to do the thing, they're going to fix their makeup afterward, and nobody's going to give them them crap about how it's a waste of time to fix their makeup afterward.
1: Well, I mean, they can't do that to Tomoko, because then Tomoko will curse them.
0: (laughs) Yes, true. When you can hex someone, it does make your life so much better.
1: Ryusei goes on a date with Ritsuko, goes to the prom with Ritsuko, under threat of a curse.
0: That was truly amazing.
1: (laughs) It was. But a thing happens in Haru and Ran's arc that I thought was particularly interesting and gets into another element of identity that we've been bringing up a lot. Haru notices that a teacher has given him the switch. Then it never comes up again. He's in school. He knows that it's happened. Ran knows that it's happened, assumes that the teacher is Osugi because he was around with an astro switch in his hand. And then we go back to the knowledge that this is happening in this school and no one will ever be able to know who or what or why.
0: It was useful that Osugi ran off with that astro switch but at the same time it also really bugs me how much time everyone spends Like, kind of fiddling around with the astro switches and clicking them back and forth like they're fidget toys? That is a delicate piece of equipment!
1: Well, yes. This is true. But they're also fidget toys. Let's not be mistaken.
0: Oh, I would 100% succumb to the temptation to do it myself. But also, watching this, I am so scared of the day when, like, Jake is uh, flipping a switch back and forth and suddenly a bit of it breaks off in his hand.
1: Mm, fair enough, especially considering that we learn, like, when we see the cosmic switch for the first time. Like, that's not a thing that you're supposed to just be pressing, because mm-hmm. if you press danger enough times, you die.
0: Well, I think this is also a demonstration of the fact that Gantaro may not be getting very good grades in English class.
1: Oh yeah, I believe that. Gentaro may not be getting good grades. Full stop. <laughs> was the last time that we've ever. Since the last time that there is a literal frame during a henshin sequence of his test with single digits out of 100, have we ever seen him in a class since?
0: Yes. He was in homeroom at the start of the year.
1: Does not count. Did not. L- like, did we see him learn a thing? Like, we've never seen him study a thing.
0: The only thing we ever see him learn are life lessons.
1: Nah, he teaches life lessons. Thing. <laughs> but like i want to get back to that aspect of identity because one of the things that i found particularly interesting about the fact that first years respond within like a week to learning that someone on someone on the faculty of their new school is potentially evil and just going back to their daily life is that we've already seen this happen because nobody knows what's happened to sonoda Even though she was sent to the Dark Nebula in episode 18.
0: Right. No one knows what happened to her. We all miss her terribly. Especially Osugi.
1: Everybody misses her. They keep bringing it up. They think she's just retired. It never comes up even the potential idea that maybe people's lives being at risk in this school on a regular basis has something to do with this. And maybe we should be more concerned about that
0: the thing is no one was going to blame her for any of the incidents once she disappeared because she's gone and it's still happening and mm-hmm. in a situation like this most people are not looking for multiple multiple culprits right so it's just like oh sonata's gone kids are still turning into monsters whatever is making the monsters is obviously just still here
1: <laughs> very obviously still there Very obviously still a member of staff. Uh, What do we do with this information?
0: Hmm. I can't believe no one ever looks at, you know, hot chairman in red leather. Or principal. Sorry. I am defaulting to thinking of him as chairman because he is invoking some of the otori akio archetype from shoujo kakume utuna. A little less of the weird sexual stuff so far, thank god.
1: Well, I mean, so far, thank God, now that Sonoda is in the Dark Nebula, never to be seen again.
0: I hope we get her back at some point, because she is a genuinely compelling character.
1: I mean, she was.
0: Oh, I don't like how much past tense you're using, pal.
1: But the reason why you're not going to see her again is kind of important to me. Characters play with identity a lot in this series, in ways that I find intriguing. And what I mean by that is, there are characters that we have met, already who we will eventually learn very radical things about that I'm not going to ask you to speculate about right now but the fact that they happen make you ask a lot of questions about what teenagers don't know about the lives of other people around them in high school and how that affects their ability to feel safe or do the things that they want to do and that kind of plays into how like, the kids see teachers in this school because they already act on the, they already know that there is this threatening power there. Part of the reason why they don't know who to make those assumptions about is because they already have assumptions of these teachers as very detached from them. That the faculty does not care about what's going on, so it's not them. When, really, the principal chairman has been trying to literally recruit them the entire time. And someone could have told them that ages ago, but they didn't.
0: And, you know, this is one of the things that's so great about this new facet of Osugi that's been revealed now. Like, he's a creep about Sonoda-sensei. He's generally incompetent as an educator. He's kind of a jerk but he actually has a really clear understanding of his responsibility for the safety and well-being of his students. And he actually understands the concept of duty of care. And that was impressive to me.
1: What I admire the most about Usugi, because this is the moment where he starts actually becoming a far more interesting character and far more likable as well, is that that duty he has as a teacher is something that he holds there even when he needs to apply it to things that he does not like. When he finds out that the Kamen Rider Club has a secret base on the moon and has been fighting monsters on campus the entire first half of the year, he does not like the fact that they're risking their lives. That's the part that matters to him. Mm -hmm. That and the fact that it's an unsanctioned club because it doesn't have An an advisor.
0: So I guess this is my job now. Because, kids, you do have to keep saving the world, so I'm going to protect you from interference. Which, good job, guy. Good job.
1: That was really nice of you. Osugi gets really, really good as this series continues. I like Osugi a lot now. At this point onward, before, still trash. All of his Sonoda pining, the fact that he still has that picture, still trash.
0: He's getting it together.
1: I mean, he cries over dead Gentaro. When Ryusei kills Gantaro for a chance to save his friend,
0: we he all still cried. cries
1: over Gantaro's body. I did.
0: Oh boy. I cried a lot. Yeah.
1: Gantaro is in the afterlife looking at a silhouette of his parents. It's like, my parents, I must go to them. And then he turns around and sees Kengo calling him back to the world of the living and he's like, but we can't.
0: Oh shit, unfinished business.
1: I thought we were missing a thing with the cosmic switch. But we were missing our bond. Friendship literally resurrected Gunther from the dead. I was like, okay, this happened.
0: To an extent, I kind of wonder, like, how much of the intensity between Kengel and Gen is going to turn out to be, like, in hindsight, oh, were we dating a little? Like, everyone's had that relationship in high school, right? Where you two are just like, super invested in each other, same sexy, and then later you realize, oh, we were dating, but with none of the
1: makeouts. I mean, Kengo feeling unvalued by Gantaro leads to him leaving the Kamen Rider Club. And the very first person that he reconnects with after leaving the Kamen Rider Club is an ex-girlfriend.
0: Kengo on the rebound.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, but you know what I really ship here? Give it to me. Tomoko and say,
1: Yes! Oh my god! I knew we were on the same page.
0: Just every time she gives him that knowing look, that look like, Spill your guts, you idiot. I know what you're going to say. I'm just so here for it, and how disappointed she is in him when she thinks he- he's not living up to the title of common Rider.
1: The thing that I adore the most about those interactions is that every time they meet each other after we know that Tomoko n- like can sense that he has been Meteor the entire time. Both of their interactions are, the way that they interact with each other is exactly the same all the time. He gives him that knowing, worried look exactly at the moment where uh, it's kind of important for him to let somebody know that he's Meteor. And she just wants to know, so he can just be honest with her. And there is this brief pause in his face, where he slackens and becomes intensely worried and curious. And I can't help but think that's the moment when he's like, I should tell her, but no. (laughs) You could have done the thing before all of this happened, and you'd just be happy. But no. I just want Ryuse to be happy. And I think that Tomoko will make him happy.
0: I'm not sure about happy, but I think she'd (laughs) keep him in line, and I think it would be actually really low effort for her to do
1: so. Yeah. I mean, she could always curse him. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, I also still ship Tomoko and Yuki, but less now, because Ryuse is here. Hmm.
0: I think my Yuki ship is just Yuki and growing up and becoming an astronaut.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. If, if nothing else happens in the epilogue of Kamen rider Z, at least she needs to be an astronaut.
0: Wait, also, um, when she made that space hot pot, mm-hmm. were, were those, like, it looked like someone had made a soup full of bath bombs. What was in those planets?
1: I am confident that the actual, like, pot of food in the scene is just broth and plastic. Oh, yeah. Which troubles me a great deal, because people were actually ladling broth and bringing it to their lips in the scene. But I guess in canon, it was just, like, random spices. Like, I don't know how they remained solid in the broth. Like, Shun eats Mars and it's just red pepper flakes in a bowl? Like, Why? Did you do that in particular?
0: For the aesthetic.
1: I I don't believe it was good. I don't believe it was good. I believe that they were giving Yuki the benefit of the doubt. But that's me.
0: I don't know. I mean, Gen's grandpa seemed to genuinely enjoy it.
1: I mean, if Gen's grandpa is anything like Gen, he would. Because these are Gen's friends.
0: Gen's grandpa is such a sweetheart. Oh my god.
1: Everything about Gen that we know now is... Like, very intense. Like, I am still in awe of the fact that when they ask Gen what happened to his parents, he says very matter-of-factly, they died in a car accident. And just moves on to the acknowledgement that his relationships are still solid even after that loss. That he has a good relationship with his grandfather. That what he's learned from his parents even before their passing was to value friendship. It's like, that's very well adjusted of you, teenage Yankee boy. I wasn't that well-adjusted at your age. I'm not that well-adjusted now.
0: Hard same.
1: Should, we should all wish to be as good and pure and earnest as Kisaragi Gantaro in all of our dealings. So, uh, I think what we should do at this point
0: is is give everybody their homework!
1: Oh yes. <laughs> homework.
0: Episodes 33 to 48? Am I doing math properly? I'm Not sure I remember how math works.
1: Yes. 33 to 48, where we see a lot of very interesting things happen. Do we learn who Tachibana is? Do we learn who Virgo is? Do we see what the big plan is for all of these collected horoscopes switches that are now being handed to the chairman? Ultimately, will Gentaro actually befriend everyone in Amanogawa High School? How big is this school? I mean, it has several buildings.
0: We've never established this, have we? I have
1: seen four buildings in a single frame, at the very least. It's kind of huge. How many students are in it is a different question.
0: I know he wants to be everybody's friend, but, like, you gotta sleep sometime, kiddo. I mean,
1: yeah, but, I mean, for context, between episodes 32 and 33... He befriends Crayon Shinchan.
0: I'm sorry. What is there a crossover episode coming up?
1: At, at, we're not going to watch it, but it happens. It's it's essentially a half episode. It's an episode of Crayon Shinchan where they go to space. Uh, it's a promotion for two movies. Um, one is Forze's upcoming finale movie. But yeah, that happened.
0: Okay, then.
1: So I have no doubt in my mind that he will befriend all of Gawa High but um, until then all of our friends listening uh, we would like to wish that you be transformed
0: and stay righteous <laughs>
1: If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holymole. Thank you for listening.